0: This is the Horse Radio Network. Hi, everybody. This is Glenn the Geek, and you're listening to Dressage, a radio show, episode 454. Well... Philip is with us on the Horse Lovers Cruise this week. We are in the Bahamas right now, somewhere, sailing about. And we're so excited that Philip was able to join us with 40 of your fellow listeners. So this week we have for you a best-of episode here on the Dressage Radio Show. And, you know, we've done so many shows, it's pretty easy to find best-ofs to to, uh, add into the mix. And today we go back to September 18th of 2014, Dressage trainer Marsha Hartford Sapp takes on a new challenge in America's Horsewoman's Challenge. And Hillary from Dressage Today has a bunch of tips. Plus, the total tr- saddle fit trainer tip was from recent recent Philip, and is on sitting a rough trot. So we hope you enjoy this Best of episode. They'll be back again next week with a brand new episode. In the meantime, we'll be thinking about you guys as we're drinking strawberry daiquiris by the pool. Have a great week, everybody.
1: This is episode... 277 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network.
2: This is Reese Koffler-Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky.
1: And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show.
2: Hey, Philip, how are you tonight?
1: I'm doing okay. Pretty tired though today. How about you?
2: I, I same. It's pretty busy around here right now. Uh, I, I'm sure it's like that in every barn. Uh, everyone's sort of getting ready for the regional finals. Ours are in three weeks. Uh, and, uh, I've got a big group of riders that go, that are going to the American eventing championships next week. So we are going to wish them all. Well, they're just kind of getting their last final lessons going and that's super fun and exciting. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's sort of getting to be championship season. So it's, it's, it's busy around here for sure. Well,
1: that's fun. That's fun. It just seems like everybody in the last couple of weeks to says- Called me or contacted me, hey, you know, uh, I'd like some lessons, you know, like, you know, when can you come out? And I'm just trying to pack <laughs> pack everything into short f- short days and, and uh, you know, spend as much time with everybody that has uh, has called me as possible. So,
2: exactly, because uh, it's about ready to freeze. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> you're, you're right, you're right. So hopefully it doesn't yeah. too soon, but the weather has definitely changed already here. I think we're going to be seeing... Leaves falling off trees and stuff. It's probably probably in early winter. Seems like
2: uh, I know. I know. It's it's getting cooler just in the last week here too. And it's like I can kind of feel fall, and oh, I'm just not ready for not sure. Ready.
1: Never ready. But yeah.
2: No, we've had to clip a couple horses, the horses that are going to Texas. They've already been clipped, and we're uh, grabbing sheets out already for the horses that are showing in the next couple weeks. So, oh boy, yeah, not ready for sure. So
1: <laughs>
2: I know. I know well, I so, think we've
1: got a good show this week,
2: as always, we really do. <laughs> we do. We have a great show looking forward to it. Um, who do we have on the show tonight?
1: Well, we've got Hillary Moore Hebert. Contributing editor of uh, Dressage Today that's going to come on and and talk, give us uh, the tips from the magazine for the month, and we're going to be talking about dressage at Devon because uh, Hillary is going. She's got she qualified her um, her one dollar horse, you know that we talked about on a previous episode. She's riding a one dollar horse to uh, to uh, I think Priest and George yes. at Dressage at Devon. I mean that's this is a big, big accomplishment for her.
0: That's big really deal. fun.
1: Well, Reese, we've also got Marsha Hartford Sap from Florida, and uh, she's a dressage trainer. She also um, breaks breaks young horses.
2: Right after this commercial break, we're gonna jump right into Hillary Moore Hebert, contributing editor of Dressage Today.
0: Choosing a supplement can be confusing. How do you know which ones are right for your horse? Kentucky Performance Products will simplify your search for effective, research-proven supplements that meet the challenges of today's horses. And this week's highlight product is Contribute Omega-3 Fatty Acid Supplement. The properties of Omega-3 fatty acids benefit every system in your horse's body. Contribute improves breeding efficiency in mares and stallions. Maintains soundness and protects joints from damaging inflammation. Sustains a strong immune response in horses of all ages and decreases the levels of inflammation in your horse's body by sustaining adequate omega-3 fatty acid levels. Learn more about Contribute, omega-3 fatty acid supplement, and all the other products at kppusa.com. That's Kentucky Performance Products at KPP. USA.com. Well,
2: as, as always, this is our favorite segment of the month. Hillary Moore Hebert is on from Dressage Today. She is the contributing editor and she's going to tell us what's happening at Dressage Today this month. How are you, Hillary? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We are awesome. So I love, you know, like I said, I, we love this segment. So we're ready to jump right in. What's our first topic for the month?
3: Okay, so I know that um, we're still in September, but I'm going to jump ahead to our October issue because um, we have an awesome cover story with Boyd and Silva Martin about the power of partnerships, and I'm really excited about this article because um, I just was at uh, Morvan Park and Seneca Pony Club this weekend going back and forth between the two shows And I was lucky enough to see not only Boyd kick some butt um, at the event there, but uh, Silva Martin is back with Rosa Cha. I think she got in the 70s in her FBI class. And so um, it was neat to kind of have that magazine in hand while I saw the two of them competing. And I know that um, Silva's going to be heading to Devon. Um, to compete there um, as am I, and I thought it would be really neat to start off by talking about um, the article that they have uh, on building partnerships together. So, it's a really neat article that um, Amber Heinsberger wrote, and it just talks about, you know, all of the ways that the two of them support each other, and I thought it was really neat to um, look at a lot of the different things where they talk about the importance of having a strong horse and rider bond, strong owner and rider bond, um, and then a really strong support crew. Um, and so I just thought that was kind of a neat thing and wanted to talk about that with you guys, just in terms of, you know, the importance of having a team that can support you. So whether it's, As an amateur, if you have a family that supports you and then maybe because you work late, you splurge a little bit and have someone get your horse ready for you a couple times a week or as a trainer, you know, who do you have when you're going out of town to take care of the barn? And I just thought I would ask you guys, um, you know, what you sort of think is the most important thing in terms of building up a supportive partnership to get you through, especially the competition season as we're going into championships and everything.
2: Well, I mean, it takes a village. I think, I think that that's the thing about the sport in general. You know, you have to have good communication with your vet, your farrier, they need to communicate, your massage therapist. Um, you know, I am super lucky that I have an amazing assistant trainer, Ashley Rand, who takes care of things when I'm gone, uh, which is awesome because there are times I have to travel and go to clinics. And and so she keeps everything running here at the farm. And, you know, I have a wonderfully supportive husband um, who's not a horseman, but has um, learned how to be a horseman uh, or he can night check. He's a great night checker. Um which is great because then I don't have to bring somebody in to night check. He can do it. And if he has any questions, he can always call um, somebody if he needs it. Uh, one of my best friends is a vet as well. So she's awesome is always on call. You know, if I can't get a hold of my other vet, um, you know, if I have a quick something, she's great. Um, so I am so lucky. And then, and I didn't mention my family, my mom and my, my dad are still huge supporters of, of me. Um, and my sister is also an FEI rider and trainer. So if I ever have. Um, issues. I call my sister and I'm say, Hey, you know, come out and look at look at this. Something doesn't feel right. What am I doing? <laughs> what am I messing up? And she's quick to to be there. So, um, and also Philip and I are really good friends, and I call him with issues. So I think that just in general in the sport, it is so important to know that it's going to take a village and to be thankful for your village and enjoy everything with your village because it isn't you know it's, it's it's horse and rider in the ring but it takes so many people to get you there so along with your trainers as well so um i think everybody we always try to celebrate if somebody has a really something fun happen cuz we know in horses it's so hard and there's so many nights and it's not going well so when it goes well we like to celebrate but um how about you philip
1: yeah, I think, I mean, absolutely, you guys are right. It just takes a, a huge um, help from some people and just a little bit of help from lots of people, you know, um, can get you where you need to be. And my situation is a little different. I uh, I just straight up board my horses at at a farm and, and I do a lot of freelancing. So the, the horse care aspect is not um, something I'm, you know, day to day involved with or having, you know, like when I'm away, somebody having to do the stalls, I found it really easy just to pay a monthly board and just you know have that kind of taken care of um you know sort of thing so that alleviates a lot of stress because i know what it's like and having owned a farm and having um been a manager at a farm and run farms and all this that that when you need to go away that it's it's really really tough to to do that and to have you know somebody good enough that you can leave everything in their in their charge so um, that's alleviated a lot of stress, you know, in my life. And, uh, I found it, you know, something just to be able to hand that over and, and, and not to pay a staff member, but just to pay a boarding facility who has staff and all that. And, and I found that really, um, simplifying anyways. So, I mean, that's good on my end. And then of course, you know, everyone that you talked about, vets, farriers, uh, my wife, of course, uh, she's actually really good at organizing. I really noticed when she doesn't help me organize before a so, show, I always leave I always leave stuff behind and then I uh, you know I've gotten to a show grounds with without boots before and Oops. Um, I, I mean pr- I think I've pretty much forgotten everything I've needed to have at,
3: The horses at, aren't there yeah well yeah. I mean
1: I get the horses there and everything but then it's everything else isn't it so um, I think I haven't forgotten my jacket before but Ooh, yes, don't I, say I, it Yeah, I I mean, I will one day, but um, yeah, yeah, I had to borrow actually David Marcus's boots. He lent me one time. I'm terrible for this stuff. I know I should make better lists and, and really get it organized, but...
2: No you need to put an extra set of everything in the trailer. That's what I try I'm like I have another girth I have another pair of breeches. I have another you know a, a small coat but I can get in that bad boy because I'm so afraid of forgetting something.
1: So yeah, I need a lot of help in the remembering department so um, yeah, I thank everybody who's lent me something over the years or or who you know where I've had to run back and, and get something you know a lot of people have helped me out so. So, um, yeah, partnerships all the way through, you know, you can't, you know, even though it's just you and the horse in there, it's definitely, that's not the all encompassing, you know, thing, thing that, uh, to help you, to help you succeed, you need everybody. So it's, uh, that's, that's what it takes.
2: And Boyd and Silva so are so cute. I'm sorry, Silva is adorable. Silva like a model, and Boyd is also. And so they're adorable together, and they're the nicest couple and the nicest people. So I love seeing that they're having success, and Silva's back stronger than ever. This is awesome.
1: Wasn't Silva running around trying to find Boyd's breeches earlier this year?
2: That happened to. Yeah, at, she called at me. At Rolex. Yep. Yep, yep. I got a call from Silva. She clearly is organizing. Um, Boyd. yeah, she Boyd had lost his pants, and she was trying to find them. <laughs> it was a I'm funny
0: story. I'm not sure.
3: I want to know the whole story. No, I don't either. I, don't I, know I just those, yeah. I,
0: I,
2: I, I don't know, but yeah, that did happen. That did happen. I got a frantic call from Silva. Where could she find pants? So I, you know, I don't. I didn't ask questions. I just helped. gave gave some gave some answers there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and moving on. <laughs>
3: So I have a packing tip, actually, that maybe not only you, Philip, could use, but apparently uh Boyd might be able to use as well yeah. since he doesn't have <laughs> any pants, is I have a um bag that I keep all of my show clothes in. So I don't keep them in a closet. I have, like, a bag where all my white britches, all my show shirts, apparently I sound like a hoarder right now because I have a lot of them, but I have all of them in there. I keep all of my, like, hairnets. Thingies, all that stuff are in there. When I get home from the show, I bring it to the laundry room. I take this stuff out that's dirty that I've put into a trash bag to keep separated. I wash it and dry it, and then I put it right back into that bag. And I do the same thing. The whole tote comes into the barn. Anything that needs to get washed gets washed. It gets put back in the tote, and then the tote goes in my tack room in the trailer. So everything travels is like its own kit and I only have four different things like that where everything goes with it. So I, it's taken me my entire life to get into this habit, but I was definitely disorganized before. And if anyone, you know, needs a trick for doing things, the more that like things can kind of travel together and you can just keep them all with you, I find the better.
2: I love that too. I do very, something very similar. I have a show bag; it comes in, everything gets washed, and it's back in the trailer. Uh, no, I and then I have one, you know, one bin of show clothes that does live in the closet that I'll take out or whatever. But I, I'm also try to keep everything very organized. Philip, we may have to get you a big tote bag.
0: Yeah, just saying, I mean, it's so bad. Control.
1: Like it's like I'll have all the stuff together, and then I will like I'll be going out the door. Maybe it's six a.m. It's an early morning problem, and then I'll you know, like I'll put down. Say it's my jacket or whatever. I'll put down my jacket to put on my shoes and not pick up the jacket again, even though it's sitting right like under the out car. Philip, load does the that
0: car.
2: Load the car at night. Yeah, load that's why I had to night. start no, doing it. Yeah, that's I, I, I do that. I mean, everything's loaded the night before and because you're not going to grab. The only thing I need to grab is my keys and a cup of coffee, and yeah. then I'm good to go. Yeah,
1: so. that's the key. I think and, key. Philip,
2: we, Hillary, <laughs> we need to get Philip some tote bags. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, because I think the problem is, is it's
3: living too much in your house because what I've even done, and this shows how much I travel, I have a bag of clean clothes that are like street clothes that I have and a whole set of toiletries and a hairdryer, and that all lives in a suitcase that's always packed. And all those things are always with me in the trailer. So during the show season, I leave that stuff just in the trailer. I mean, I travel so often. It's not just sitting in there for months at a time. Um, but I just leave it there, or I leave it, you know, so that the whole thing is like a little traveling unit. Well, and I, I like that, the idea, too, yeah. Reese, of having – Spares in your trailer, so maybe yeah. you don't want to keep your nice shad belly in there, you know, rotting away all summertime. But it's good if you have like kind of your foul weather show coat that's a zillion years old that you would barely be caught dead in. It's kind of nice, I think, to just keep it on a hook in there so that you would just have a backup.
2: Yeah, and I have an old set of boots in there, and I have a girth in there, and I have an old bridle, <laughs> and that stuff's all and, and with like a I don't know a KK snaffle on a relatively generic bit. So. I know that, okay, I don't have a saddle in there, but I have everything else that would need to be in there. Because um, again, you know, it's the same, you know, and, and I have a great, great team, but <laughs> they don't worry about my stuff. So if I forget to put my boots in, they're like, that's your fault, not mine. Um, so I keep a spare set of boots in there and spare set of spurs. Uh, again, they're old boots, but I, I kind of kept them nice enough that if I had to show in them, I could. So... I don't know, that works well for me and it kind of takes my anxiety away because that's a, that's a huge part of the horse show is, is the anxiety of having all your stuff And I don't know about you guys, but always the first show of the spring, you know, like when we come out, we have like a little schooling show we always do in March. And I swear every, that's like the time that everybody forgets everything. (laughs) It's like somebody is running back to the farm. It's only 10 minutes at the, it's at the horse park. So somebody can run home and get something. It's not that big of a deal. They can be back in 20 minutes, but that is always the show. And so we always try to minimize that. And I always try to go through a checklist the week before that horse show and say, who has hairnets? Does everybody have gloves? Does everybody have sort of everything that we need to have? So, um, definitely has has helped, uh, but that is definitely an issue for people, and and raises anxiety levels. So I think if you can have all that stuff, then um, you won't be like Philip or Boyd and not have important items Maybe like it's just boots a or pants. Lack of anxiety. Maybe I'm just not anxious
1: enough. You know.
2: Yeah, probably not.
0: Well, yeah. <laughs> that's
3: actually one of my big tricks for helping with showing anxiety is I tack walk my horse at 7am. And, uh, it makes it so that I know that I have everything there because you can't be on your horse tack walking them if you don't have your saddle or your girth or your boots or whatever. And I find that just getting on to do that, maybe I'll do, you know, just two minutes of trot or whatever, just to feel that they're okay. Um, but even if I have like an eight 30 ride, I still will get on at six 30 just to get on and tack walk them just to know that I have everything that I have there and I'm not running around two minutes before my test looking for, you know, a pair of gloves and a whip.
2: No, I think that's such an important thing. And, and I, and it helps the horse, the horse's stretch gets you in the right frame of mind. So I love that tip. We do the same thing. So that's a really good one.
3: So the next tip is um a little bit more training based but it is sort of about you know preparing for things and i thought this was neat this is back to boyd and silva's um article about partnerships and they talked about uh taking your horse through water and i thought it was a neat tip because it says that um you know it really builds a horse's trust in his rider's judgment because they can't tell what's underneath the surface so it um it really starts to build a relationship between you and your horse and, you know, a strong partnership. And it also prepares them for things um, like going to Devon, especially, my gosh, knock on wood, if it's raining this year, uh, you definitely then will be prepared with being underwater by going through, you know, some uh, water complexes or, you know, if there's a lake or a river or something near your place. But the tips were really nice. So this is the three tips that came with taking your horse through water. The first is um, to really sit deep in the saddle, keep your leg on and urge him into the water. Um, And the transition from dry ground into the water is usually the hardest part. So really, you know, work on getting that because once they get their feet wet, they're usually okay. If you have a horse that's lacking the confidence that doesn't want to go in, that it's really good to have a more experienced horse that is comfortable with water, lead them in so that, um, then you, you know, have them more comfortable and they see their buddy in there. Um, but then if you do have a horse that's a bit more timid, just be, uh, you know, a little bit cautious when you go into it, um, because the water splashing around is going to be a new sensation for them. And then the last point they said is once your horse is in the water, if he starts to splash around and puts his nose down into the water, get him moving because there are <laughs> horses that like to roll. It's going to go down.
1: Yeah, I knew, was, I knew where that was going. to his whole body in there.
3: <laughs> and I was like, oh. Keep it oh. moving. So that was the big warning. So, um, you know, if you take your horse through some water, make sure that they don't roll with you on their back and take you for a swim. Uh, but then once they get used to it, depending on finding a place that has really good footing, a solid base, you know, then you want to avoid swift currents and deep water. Just find some place that's like four inches that doesn't have slippery rocks or deep mud, um, you know, and then you can maybe try trotting in and out or cantering in and out. and Um, I just thought that that was a neat thing So I think, first of all, it prepares us. I've definitely been at shows where there's a giant puddle, you know, right at X or something where you have to go across the diagonal through the thing. Um, And also, I just think it's a good partnership building exercise, especially for the dressage horses who are so used to us having perfect footing for them and they're in their little enclosed 20 by 60.
2: Oh, I think think anything that you can do is important. I will tell you, I was riding a five-year-old who is a superstar, but today it was cooler here. It was rainy and kind of gross. And um, my assistant was, we have a clinic here next week, so we're trying to get ready and clean everything. And, you know, it's in the afternoon when I ride him. That's the time that she can do it. So she's up cleaning the mirrors, and he didn't like that. And then uh, the gentleman that helps me in the barn, he was cleaning, he was uh, working in the garden, so there was stuff flying all over the place. And, you know, you just got to ride through it and say, yeah, you know, I know this is not normal, but... This is what's going on. And I think that's the same. You can put that to to going through water. And I think that, at, you know, as you start showing your horses and start getting them out, it is so important to have done this kind of stuff, going through water. We have the mounted of police that come and do desensitization with, with all the horses here. They have to walk over mattresses and over tarps and have tarps put over top of them and I am so glad we do it. It, it really, I let them do it because they're really professional and really good at what they do. And, um, you know, that's what they do with their horses. And I think for dressage horses, it is so important to not say, Oh, you know, he's going to be scared by you uh, climbing the ladder. You know, well at, at Devon, nobody's going to care. They're going to climb the ladder and do whatever they're doing. So I think it's super important. And I think, you know, crossing water, um, Oh, boy, I, I, I worked for two days to get Denali across water. I mean, it was a really big deal for him, and and it was good. And I'm glad that, that we, we went through it and, and did it. And so I'm, I am a huge fan of anything like that that you can do. I think it is so important.
1: Yeah, I think it's awesome. I mean, any time that, that you maybe are getting bored with the, your ring work or, you know, stuff over the winter, then you can just come up with creative ideas that you can do, you know, stuff to do with your horse that, you know, that's a challenge in a different way than, than just, you know, strictly riding flat work, dressage work that, you know, you know, there's so many, so many things that have nothing to do with dressage can, can build your partnership and your trust. And, and the water work is, uh, is, is one, one big one. Now, the only difference is if, if stuff goes wrong, you're going to get wet, but
4: yeah, that's fine. <laughs> you don't get
1: hurt. You just get wet. So, I mean, uh, that's, it that sounds like a good idea. And if you got somewhere, you know, safe and, and, you know, or, you know, some water on your property that's even better right but it doesn't hurt to go you know to take them out to you know there's lots of places that have you know cross-country schooling you know where you can go for an ice hack and and bring them to a water obstacle and and you know work on it and figure it out you know there's lots of great stuff i mean we're just coming into the fall you know maybe you're done show season and you can work on some other things you know some some different challenges so that's a that's a nice tip and and a good idea
3: Yeah, I have um, memories as I'm talking about this. I'm starting to regret suggesting this so late in the season because I did UNH in 1999, and I will remember to this day, uh, doing the training level eventing course, what the water jump feels like because I landed straight in it. And then I had to walk all the way home, or not home, oh my gosh. I had to walk all the way back. It's like a mile from that jump to the – the stabling because my horse left without me when I was unseated. Uh, so yes, definitely. Maybe the four inch rule, like find some, a very warm, sunny day and a smaller amount of water so that at the very least when they're splashing you, you're not getting soaking wet when it's 20 degrees. Yeah, no, not
2: a good (laughs) idea. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I love it. But I think it's really important. I I truly think that dressage horses, you know, we have a tendency to make it all perfect uh, and try to make everything perfect. But at the end of the day, uh, if you're looking for a horse that's going to show, you can't make it perfect. You just can't. You got to you gotta go with it. So I love that tip. Love it. What else do you have for us?
0: So
3: it's along the same lines, but it's the same thing. It's kind of doing something that's fun, but also desensitizes your horse and builds partnership. And that's, again, from the uh, Martin's article is by riding to music. And I love this tip because um, it. Boyd, I guess, a lot of times when he's schooling dressage, will put on rock music, um, (laughs) and he rides around to it. uh, And he says that over time, it gets the horses used to announcers. Loud, freestyle music maybe is not in your ring, but it's in a close-by ring, and just loud noises in general. Um, and it also helps the horse just get in into the rhythm of the music. So I thought that that was neat because, to me, that's a different take. I've always thought, you know, riding freestyle music is really good. It helps your horse get into a nice tempo and everything. But I think the idea of using it to desensitize the horse is a great, great idea. And he suggested, you know, that if the horse is spooky, just do a large circle close to the noise and ride some shoulder four with your inside leg at the girth. Um, You know, asking for some flexion to move the horse over just as if, you know, they were spooking at anything. Um, But every time that you come around, uh, you know, just open your outside rein and push with your inside leg to kind of leg yield them towards that sound so that you get closer and closer to the noise. Um, and that he, you know, gives the horse a week or so to get used to being close to the speaker. But then after that, the horses are a lot more used to it. And then they'll be less spooky, you know, in new situations where there's loud noises. And I think I, I, that that is such a clever way to think about something that I've been thinking about from a different perspective for a long time.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I have a, a sound system in my ring and and I, I ride to music for sure all my horses just because honestly it's me and them in there and I think it's I think we all just everybody enjoys it a little bit more and so I do ride to music and it is good because our horses at the end of the day I mean all of us want to ride a freestyle at Aachen and um You know, they got to be used to the noise. So, uh, and it's good because, you know, commercials come on and it sounds different or, you know, that kind of stuff. So I do it. I do it mostly because I enjoy it. I can't say that I ride to rock music, but um, uh, I think that that's a great, I think it's a great tip. And I do just because I find it, I find it nice and i enjoy it and it keeps sort of me and the horses you know good song comes on it's like okay come on let's do our extended trot now or whatever and um i i enjoy it myself so i can you know i think it's good for all the horses
1: i definitely ride the rock music what's wrong with that
2: do you nothing wrong with rock i think you should ride to whatever you want to ride
1: whatever you like
2: whatever i don't care (laughs) whatever you want whatever but i think it's i I think it's good yeah
1: Yeah, you got to do it right I mean, uh, you know, for me, it just releases a lot of tension that can be built up, you know, if it's just quiet and, and you know, everybody's a little on edge if you're just, if there's nobody talking and you're just riding and, and uh, you know, it just kind of fills a void, you know, just even just kind of background background noise, right? You need it to, uh, to make sure that the horses and, and the people are not getting so stressed out, right? So... You know, pick anything. I mean, I know lots of people ride just, just straight classical without vocals. But you know, it's it's nice when, especially when you're kind of warming up or cooling down. You know, you you hear a song that you like, you can sing to it and just relax and 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 let it all go, right? And just in, enjoy your time when you ride. So I think the music, the music helps in that way, and and then also in the desensitization. Desen- I can't say the word. Um, <laughs> desensitization. That yeah, that one. Too many S's. Um, it's perfect. So that's a great tip. Thanks, Hillary.
3: Yeah, and I think um, it was interesting because I had a horse that we were having some problems with the canter, just not having enough jump to it. And, you know, we were working on it, trying to get forward, and he just didn't have the power. And I was sort of thinking, okay, you know, he's maybe a little burnt out with the show season and I need to figure out how to get this. And we were just playing around. We had... Um, Mike Madsen, who is on the Dressage Foundation board with me, um, does a lot of those um, Dressage to music clinics. And he was there and I said, you know, sure, I'd love to just get a sense at least for this horse's beats per minute so that I could plan for a freestyle. And he turned on, um, I think, a Prince song and this horse started flying around in the canter. And I thought like, you know, where was this a month ago when we were trying to work through all this? issue with impulsion because as soon as the music went on, he just picked up the beat of it and just was really had a lot more energy. And I thought it was neat because it's almost like taking your horse out, you know, doing tail work or going through water or whatever. Sometimes I think the music can kind of help them with their own, if they're in a funk or whatever, that it helps them get to be in a better mood too. What's our next tip? Okay, so um, actually the the next tip is um, one that is not a training tip, but I think it's very important for everyone to know because um, Dressage Today, as I've mentioned in the past on the show, is having their 20th anniversary. And I just found out that kicking off at Dressage at Devon, um, they are doing a giveaway to the World Cup in Las Vegas, which is awesome because... The winners get round trip tickets, and then you get to go behind the scenes and hang out with Olympian Debbie McDonald. So I thought that that was really cool that everybody needs to do it. I may quit working there so I can apply for this contest because, okay, first of all, I just got back from Las Vegas and we were staying there um, for a bachelorette party, and it's amazing. World Cup, I don't know if. You guys got a chance to go there the last time in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. Even Matthias Rath was telling me that like his goal was to come back to the U.S. after having seen World Cup the last time around there. So to go there and hang out with Debbie McDonald, when they told me that they were going to do this giveaway, I was like, I have to tell everyone who's listening to the show because. Um, there's a sign up for the sweepstakes, and it's starting to kick off the week of Devon. So, um, everyone should definitely check that out.
2: So, how do we sign up? Because uh, Philip and I are already going, but yeah, how do we sign up?
3: So, <laughs> it's it's just on dressagetoday.com. And if you guys are going to be at Devon, there will be computers there at the Dressage Today Horse Tech booth. Um, the whole week so that people can do it there because I know you're not bringing your iPad around or whatever at the showgrounds. Um, So there's also, um, you know, the ability to do that there. Um, And I don't know, uh, you guys, because you aren't, down where we are, but the Dressage Today and Horse Tech booth, it's closer to the warm-up arena than a lot of the other vendors. Um, A lot of the other vendors are closer to, like, the entrance and the grandstand, but Dressage Today and Horse Tech have a tent that's right next to the warm-up and uh, the entrance to the stabling area so that you can kind of watch the warm-up and get some free magazines and water um, and go over and say hi to them. Um, and I think that this year, on Friday night, they're going to do a wine and cheese party um, so that, uh, you know, you can go and sign up. So theoretically, you could get free wine and cheese, watch a bunch of Grand Prix riders swarming up, and then also enter and possibly win two round-trip tickets to the World Cup final. So that seems like not a bad trip to go there, even if it is raining.
1: Wow. Nice.
2: I know, I Philip. We need to go do this. This sounds like awesome fun.
3: (laughs) But you can't. You guys can enter it um, online, so you know definitely do that if you can. Because even if you um, are going anyway, it still is an inclusive trip, and you get to hang out with Debby McDonald. So that's pretty neat.
0: Cool.
2: Awesome. Any other tips, Hillary?
3: Yes. So I'm going to end mine with everyone who is, you know, not going to Devon or talking about, you know, going to the shows and all this stuff. I wanted to end with something that's just a nice straightforward tip for everyone to kind of go away with. And this is from my dressage 101. And I'm very sad. I just wrote the last one for December and I'm not sure we haven't talked about whether or not we're going to continue it next year, but um, if we don't, I'm going to miss it dearly. Um, for those who haven't been following it, it's kind of basic exercises every month. And this month, I went over um, 15 and 10 meter figure eights. Um, just to start, we had covered in the past doing the 15 or the sorry, the 15 and 10 meter circles. And in the past, we also talked about doing the 20 meter figure eights but this one um, gets you down to doing the 15-meter figure eights and the 10-meter figure eights. And I just wanted to talk about the um, 15 and 10-meter figure eights for a second because uh, the 10-meter figure eight, if you do it centered where you're passing over X between E and B, is a great way to get your horse supple and prepared for that movement in the first-level test that calls for the half-circle-to-half-circle so um, that was one point. But the 15-meter figure eight I wanted to talk about with you guys because it's not in any tests, but I really like it as an exercise. So I wanted to focus on it a bit more because it's smaller than the 20-meter, but I think that as you get down into the smaller sizes, it's a little bit less of a struggle to maintain the balance because it's a bit bigger than the 10s. And I have people riding it on um, the the track on the long side so that you're hitting the far quarter line as the halfway point of your circle, Um, as opposed to, I know some people like to do it kind of centered at A or C. Um, I prefer to ride it on the track with the far quarter line. And I suggest that you put cones down, you know, to mark sort of the different points that you would hit because uh, it doesn't lend itself to the easiest geometry because it's um, you know not really centered on specific letters. but I really like it as an exercise for two reasons. the first is it really tests that you have a little bit more suppleness and control of a bending line than the 20 meter circle. but I also think it's really good because I think it's helpful to have exercises that aren't so perfectly centered that you kind of float in space for a second and have to find your bearings again to prepare you for the more difficult tests. And I wanted to see if you guys um, do 15-meter circle figure eights, if you have a particular area you like to do it, or if you had exercises that sort of incorporate them.
2: Well, I love, you know, as I, I tell all my students they need to read your dressage one oh one every month. Cause I think you come up with some great tips. And to see to see it, if you look at the article, because I have I always keep the magazine when we do our um, do this segment, um, it's really clear when you look in in the magazine at the, at the figure. And it makes a lot of sense. I have to be honest. I have never done it centered over B or E in the article you have it centered over B. And I think that makes sense because everybody can really see where they can do the circles. Um, and I think that's a great tip because, you know, I do a lot of spiraling in and yielding out. Um, and I say, okay, go to an 18, go a 16, um, and the geometry isn't 100, percent but in this article it makes sense if you center it at E and B, you can really test and make sure that you're getting the right size. So I like, I really like how you've done that. Um, you know, we do a lot of figure eights, uh, especially with the horses that are showing first level, because they have um, that sort of. There's two. There's a figure eight and first three and there's, um, and we call it the S curve and first one. So uh, we do it a lot then just so people can really feel where they're supposed to be. So I really like this tip and I think it's something that I'm going to use tomorrow uh, again because my riders can really tell where they need to be.
1: Yeah. Uh, for me, I tend to do um, not just serpentines, but um, do a lot of, uh, sorry, not figure eights, but do a lot of serpentines with different size circles and different shapes and certain different you know amounts of of bend and and getting down to uh, you know like a shallower serpentine or or a deeper one with longer you know like you can do a lot with a serpentine in changing the the direction and changing the bend and making it you know symmetrical and not symmetrical and you know changing the number of loops and doing so i have a tendency to do that more than just um, straight figure eights and um, but when i do I, I like to do the 10 meter one you know especially for the first level riders but really taking the 10 meter um, serpentine or uh, figure eight off of the track because i find a lot of people just use the track to make the shape, the shape for themselves so you know i just want to place it in different places around the arena um, so that you have no walls to ride on i think that helps with serpentines you know when when you don't necessarily have a letter to look for or, or something like that, where you just have to ride the correct bend and that will make the shape for you. Does that make sense?
3: And that's exactly why with the 15 meter figure eight, I put it first in the article and why I should have highlighted that more. Cause I completely agree. I think if you are so reliant kind of on having the training wheels of each letter or being between letters, um, when you get out and do the tests, I think Sometimes it's sort of like, wait, I'm floating in space, where am I supposed to go? And I think you need to have a, a higher understanding, like you just said, of the arena space, spatially, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I totally agree with you.
1: Yeah, and and what, I mean, really figure out, like, what is the bend for a 20-meter circle or or a 10-meter circle or a 15-meter circle? Yeah. Then the circles and the curves make themselves, right? So. Um, you know, that was just my my sense of it when when I watch people ride because it's easy when you make a, a ten meter circle from B to X. You know, you got the two letters there. But do you know what is the bend that you are making? I mean, you know, when you first start to learn it, it's it's good to have the letters. But la- later, as you become more independent and and you want to, you know, it's it's important for when you are riding freestyle because the judges don't want to see you know this uh, this letter and this you know just like you did it in the test you want to change it up and uh it makes it a little bit more difficult to write and and it, and it's good for people so that's that's why I kind of do that and and try and change it up as as much as you can
2: I love it well Hillary thank you so much for as always great tips how can I re- how can our listeners find you online
3: um, they can uh, see all of the information about the articles at dressagetoday.com as well as information about that uh, World Cup contest I talked about. And then also they can follow um, coverage of Devon and all the upcoming events on our Facebook page and Twitter and uh, YouTube. There's some fun old archived uh, videos on YouTube from last year's Devin that are pretty neat. And then... Um, also, they can check us out
1: on Pinterest. Well, we wish Hillary luck at uh, Dressage at Devon, and we're going to have her back on. We're going to hear all about it um, next month, so that, that would be really great. And next up, we have Marsha Hartford Sapp from Florida.
0: This week's Spotlight product from EasySignsOnline.com is their Outdoor Silhouette Cutouts. Made from a long-term outdoor durable vinyl aluminum material, these cutouts will outlast the old-style painted wood ones by many, many years. A great way to add an equestrian image to your barn, horse stalls, mailboxes, houses, or campers. Choose from dozens of equestrian or animal graphics online, available in two different sizes, starting at only $59.95. And remember, Free shipping on most orders over a hundred dollars, all at EasySignsonline.com. Get your silhouette cut out today.
2: Well, we are so excited tonight to have Marsha Hartford-Sapp on from Tallahassee, Florida. She is the head trainer and owner of Southern Oaks Equestrian Center in Tallahassee, Florida. And she is the head trainer for the Florida State University equestrian team. Welcome to the show, Marsha. Welcome. Thank you so much for, um, for taking the time to talk to me this evening. Oh, we're really excited. So tell us all about Um, your role in the extreme Mustang makeover.
3: Oh yeah. Right now I'm actually in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, I traveled here yesterday, 900 miles, um, to participate in the extreme Mustang makeover. This is my fifth year doing that. Um, and I have, um, a horse that came out of the wild, um, uh, right around the first of June, that I've spent the last hundred days training, and um, and I'm going to show them this weekend at the at the Mustang Makeover.
1: Now, can you give everybody uh, an idea about what it's all about, and 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 your preparation for this event with the horse, and and what you're going to have to do?
3: Yeah, the Extreme Mustang Makeover has been around um, since 2007 or so, and uh, trainers receive a randomly selected wild mustang never had hands touch it never had any training you can't even put a halter on these horses and we get a hundred days to train the horses for the the competition um and when we come to the competition we're expected to show the horses in hand we're judged on basic handling skills some leading exercises uh the condition and muscling of the horse that we put on the horse in the last hundred days we have a riding component um uh, that's judged in two different phases. One's a pattern class, walk, trot, canter, um, changes of leads, rain back, spins or turns. Um, and then we have a, a basic trail class where the horses go in and they perform maneuvers that you'd see in, in everyday work, like opening a gate, backing over things, walking over a bridge, etc. cetera. Um, so in 100 days, we have to get the horses halter broke, train to saddle, train to walk, trot, care, change their leads if, if they're able to. Um, and, and basically be a good citizen so that they're ready for an option.
1: Well, that sounds like a big challenge. Now, can you give our listeners a little bit of background information about about you and maybe your dressage background and, and, and everything? Yeah,
3: yeah. Um, I'm primarily a dressage trainer. I'm based out of Tallahassee, Florida. Um, the Our barn has about 40 head of horses. The majority of them are warm bloods. Um so that's generally what we deal with. Um, I've ridden in in Florida, I recognize USDF shows um, you know, since I moved here in, in nineteen ninety eight. Um, so I have quite a background in dressage. Um, also have done some some hunters and jumpers as well. Um, one of the, the things that I, I particularly like is the training scale and always going back to the, the foundation of the horse, because that is the foundation for, for any type of showing we do, including dressage. So the, the, the Mustang makeover excites me because I'm able to, to get in there at the base level and, and train a horse from, from the ground up. And, the, the dressage pyramid and the training scale is super important to me for, um, uh, you know, for the training process of the horse. So I always go back to my my dressage work when when we start these young horses under saddle.
2: Now, how did you get started in this pro in the Mustang Makeover? That's so cool. How did you start with that?
3: Well, you know, it it really brings together a lot of things that I'm passionate about. Um, Animal rescue, you know, I actually had um, some training and some time in the animal rescue field um, while I was um, studying at college. So it puts together uh, animal rescue. It puts together my passion of training horses, um, and also, you know, it's a little bit extreme. I mean, taking a horse out of the wild and training it a hundred days—that's that's pretty tough. Um, so I'm up for the challenge. It's always a challenging um, sort of thing, but it's always a win-win. I learned something. The horse gets a home, um, and it's a great way to showcase my business and and what it is that we're all about here, because it really is all
0: about the horse.
1: Can you give our listeners some more about your philosophy and how you get started with this? You know, maybe uh, you know when the horse comes to you. What are some things that you like to do? That, that what's your program all about?
3: Well, for my program, we do um, a lot of foundation work on the ground, and I think that's really important. Um, so that the horses don't have bad experiences when there is a rider involved. So when a horse comes in, wild or otherwise. We we go straight to the round pen. Um, I, I do round pen work with the horse. We we teach them voice commands, walk, trot, canter, and the most important word, whoa. Uh, we do join up. We long line them. I long line every horse that comes in so that they understand turning and stopping and they're comfortable with, uh, with the handler on the ground. And we do a lot of stacking out, desensitization. Um, you know, and just in general, we build trust from the ground up so that the horses understand and are confident, uh, with us and what we're asking from, from the ground up until we step foot in those iron.
2: That is so cool. So can you tell us a little bit about the American Horsewoman's Challenge?
3: Oh, the American Horsewoman's Challenge is a wonderful competition, Um, that, that is, this is an inaugural year, um, in the United States I'm so happy to be a part of it. Um, it is, it's going to be a competition that encompasses, um, so many things that, that are important, um, in horsemanship and important in training. Um, for the American Horsewomen's Challenge, we had to submit applications, which included videos of ourselves riding horses, um, both advanced horses and young horses, and also doing groundwork. And groundwork is also important um, for for the training process. So the American Horse Women's Challenge um, gave trainers an opportunity to select the horses that they wanted to use. Um, We had to pick a horse in between the ages of three and seven. Uh, that had not had um, any riding work done with them. And we were given six months to train these horses. So we started this, this earlier this year and we were, um, we were given details about what we were going to be judged on for these young horses that we had selected in training, and there's three different components um, that we're going to be judged on. The first one is going to be liberty, and it'll be the first of its kind in the U.S. of being judged. So, we have a liberty component where the horses are, are free, and we're asked to do the horses do um, things with these horses from the ground, um, like we lunge them and ask them to come to us without them having a halter on. We ask the horses to uh, weave in and out of obstacles, back, um, jump and jump, turn around, jump over the jump again. And it really shows the relationship from the ground because the horses have to be freely willing. Um, We're judged on this liberty component. We're so excited about this. The first of its kind, uh, we are given a cowboy dressage test. Um, uh, which to me is going to be super fun as a dressage rider to do with my young horse. And then there is a extreme uh, race that we're going to get to do as well. Um, So it's really, it shows the diversity of the trainers, Um, the dressage, the liberty and the, the trail work. Um, It's going to be so much fun for us to to show off the trainers, what we're able to do with these young horses.
1: That sounds like a really, a really awesome program.
2: Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited about it. Very. Excited. <laughs> and, and where is it? Yeah. Where, where is it?
3: It's going to be in, in Guthrie, Oklahoma. Um, it's going to be the, the weekend of, um, October the 3rd. So it's October the 3rd to the 5th. Um, I'm going to get to drive home from Texas, uh, regroup for a couple of days and then drive out to Oklahoma, um, for that. Um, but I, I'm excited about the young horse that I'm showing and, Just in general, the event, because it's a really, you know, it's a needed event and uh, it's going to be the first of its kind. And, and, uh, you know, just to be able to see these these horsewomen and their horses is just going to be a super experience, I think.
2: And how did you pick your horse and find your horse?
3: You know, I was really fortunate uh, with the picking of my horse. Um, the horse that I'm showing um, for the American Horsewoman's Challenge is named Smokin' in Seattle. And he's a three-year-old um, appendix quarter horse um, that came to me as uh, a training horse. Uh, when I was at the regional championships for USDF dressage last year, um, I had uh, a client come to my stalls while I was braiding my horse and um, had asked me about horse training. And she said she had a young stallion, she wanted a, a good foundation on the horse, um, and, and it would be ready in the spring. So it just happened that when I sent in my application for the American Horse Woman's Challenge, she contacted me and reminded me that, that she was going to be sending me this this quarter horse stallion. Um, and I called her and asked her a little bit more about the horse, and I asked her if she would be interested in, um, in me using the horse for the competition. And um, she she brought me the horse for an evaluation to see if he would be suitable. Um, and it just turned out that it was just the most super, uh, super wonderful horse and the most, the most perfect partner for me to be able to use for the competition. Um, he's done really well in his training. Um, I took him to his first recognized USBF show a couple weeks ago. I went to Conyers, which is near Atlanta, Georgia. Um, just tra- showed him training level. You know, he's just had four months under saddle. And a young stallion, uh, but he won all of his training level cap classes, and we were so happy. He was the, cha- <laughs> the champion training level horse um, that day for Conyers, um, and we just, you know, had a great show with him. So I'm really excited to be able to show him for for this challenge in a couple of weeks.
2: Well, Marcia, we wish you so much luck with him. He sounds like just a wonderful horse. So, how do our listeners find you online?
3: Well, they can find me online by going to my website, which is southernoaksequestrian.com. Um, or better yet, like the rest of us, we're better at, at posting uh, our updates on Facebook. Um, I can be found on Facebook um, under my full name, Marsha Hartford Sapp. And I'll be posting pictures of, of Smoke, um, my, my quarter horse stallion for the American Horsewoman's Challenge. And I'll be updating uh, things on him. And also our our time here at the, uh, the extreme up makeover.
2: Wonderful. Well, we hope to we will keep in touch with you and we wish you all the best. And we can't wait to hear how you guys do. Yes. Super. Thank
3: you so much.
2: Well, that was so fun to hear from Marsha about what she's doing and we wish her well, and we will have her back on for an update. I think it's great. Also kind of ties into what we were talking about with Hillary that, dressage horses really need to be all around horses and I think we need to stay open to that as trainers and riders so we wish her luck in all the things that she's doing for sure so
0: this week's dressage training tip is brought to you by total saddle fit
4: home of the shoulder relief Girth at totalsaddlefit.com The saddle fit solution you have been waiting for is finally here. Totalsaddlefit.com is proud to introduce the shoulder relief girth. This strategically shaped girth actually moves the girth line of your saddle back over one inch, thereby freeing your horse's shoulders from the saddle. Traditional girths pull saddles up against a horse's shoulders and often over the top of the shoulders, The shoulder relief girth's recessed ends allow for the billets to buckle into the girth farther back to give your horse unparalleled freedom of motion. We are so certain that your saddle will fit better and your horse will be more comfortable that for a limited time we are offering a 30-day, 110% money-back guarantee. If you are not totally satisfied with your shoulder relief girth, send it back for a full refund plus 10% of the purchase price. Don't wait. Order now for the best saddle fit solution available.
0: At totalsaddlefit.com. Visit totalsaddlefit.com.
2: And next, Philip, we have um, a trainer tip from you and me. Um, And I actually, I, I liked this article. It was from Dressage Today initially on how to sit a rough trot. And this trainer tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, uh, and the shoulder relief girth. If you have any saddle fitting questions, Justin is awesome from Total Saddle Fit. Uh, he's been on the show multiple times, and he does a great job answering any questions that you have about saddle fitting, which it is a big, big question. So uh, touch base with Justin. Uh, he is great. Um, so our our tip of the day um, comes from sitting a rough trot. And uh, basically, the, the big thing is, how do you sit a rough trot? Um and, and the big thing is to make your horse more reactive to lighter aids and teach yourself to establish a really quality temp, uh, tempo, which I think is really important. And as you do this over time, you know, some of it is strength. Um, and I have to be honest, if I get a new horse that I think, oh my gosh, this horse is a little bit hard to keep connected and a little bit hard to sit the trot, I don't always feel force myself to sit the trot. I think sometimes um, if you don't have the right back and the horse isn't giving you a place to sit, sometimes it's really hard to do that. So um, I do try to, to sell to myself or tell my riders, you know, do posting trot, do sitting trot until you're strong enough and the horse is strong enough to have you sit for, for a long period of time. I think it's also really important that your horse is in front of consistent aids. And they talk about this in the article. Um, that the horses need to be in front of consistent aids. You also need to have tactful hands and tactful rein aids. Um, you know, if you're jamming the horse in the mouth or jawing the horse in the mouth, um, he's not going to like the sitting trot either. So I think it's really important that, um, in that case, you could do some lunge lessons or, uh, things along those lines to help you get stronger without banging the horse in the mouth. I think that that's really important. Um, And then sometimes you just can't sit it and that's okay. Do a transition to walk or do a transition to posting trot, get more organized, and then go back to the sitting trot. So that was sort of the basic things that uh, Camilla DuPont talks about in her article which I thought was really a, a good way to start the discussion on how to sit a rough trot. Uh, Philip, can you add anything to this?
1: Yeah, I think uh, a good point from the article is to maybe think about and evaluate the horse's trot. I mean, you know they all trot a little bit different, they have a different feel, you know, but um, you can do a lot of things to really improve the gait before you even think about start you know starting to sit it, right? Because if you think about like why is it why is the trot, tough to sit. Is is this a lazy horse? Is he behind your leg? A horse, you can never sit a horse that's behind your leg. I don't care how good a rider you are. If if you're having to, to push the horse along and try and sit, that's not going to work. The horse is not carrying you, right? Okay, so that's one thing. Another thing is, you know, is the trot a little short and stilted, you know, and is that what's making it difficult to sit? Then you need to really lengthen out the horse's gait a little bit before we, before we even sit on them. So, and, and then you talked about the horse needs to have a, a strong connection and, and, and be good in the connection and also um, have enough muscle to carry the rider along in this connection. So a lot of times if you're a rider and you think I'm, I'm trotting along, okay, i got a good long trot, I've got, I've got a, a good connection, the back feels really good, and then all of a sudden I sit on it and it goes away. Well, then there's a lot of work that needs to be done in transitions um, to, to help that horse carry you. I mean, they, they, you know, a lot of times a horse will feel the rider sit and then all of a sudden kind of clamp up, you know, having nothing to do with the rider, just the, the, the horse's reaction to taking weight. So what I would do in this case is really, you know, go back. To, like, like you said, you already said, Reese, you know, go back to walk and then push it forward and trot and try and, you know, from the first step, um, out of walk into trot that you have those qualities of a good forward gait and a good connection and a good back and all of that and then just a few strides and then start rising that helps to get the horse really you know comfortable uh with carrying you um before you're doing a whole ton of of sitting trot at one time and i think it's 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 a hard thing to do with sitting trot but it's not something that you have to, you know, force you and the horse to do, and then all of a sudden it might just get better one day, right? If you're not having a ton of success, you have to um, get a get a strategy going that that will build you and the horse towards towards success in, in this uh, in this area in this idea, because they're not all just great to sit on. I mean, there's lots of horses like you know I can't sit on. I have to say, okay, well this horse needs more training, needs more muscle development, and, and, and then I can then I can start sitting. So. Um, but you know what, those are, those are a couple of big things that I would try and evaluate, you know, as I'm having trouble sitting to the source. Do you have any, any, anything to add there, Reese? Any ideas?
2: No, I think that that's really good. I mean, I think that those are right along the same lines and I, and I tell people, you know, this doesn't happen overnight, you know, especially my adult amateur clients that were working, you know, before they want to show second level or before they really want to get going with the sitting track, I tell them like. it it may take a little bit of time. This isn't just going to happen. I think that that's one of the things It's sort of, there's a process and, you know, a lot of the questions that I get to is, um, is it okay if my horse goes a little slower? You know what? I think that's fine. If you need your horse to slow down so you don't pop him in the mouth or you don't give him a kick or what, whatever, I think that's fine. I think that that's, you just need to know that, Obviously, you're not quite at the tempo and rhythm that you need to be, um, but that's okay if you need to start slower yeah, and, and it can work be a up. Developing process. It's I,
1: I tell people to buy themselves, you know, the strap that we, I call the bucking strap, right? And yep. The one that goes uh, on the D rings of your saddle sits in the middle. You yep. can get one of those. It's not for bucking, but you know, if you're having trouble sitting, you know, put your hand on that strap. You know, take it off. You know, don't throw away the rein, but you can have your rein and your hand on that strap. If you have a horse that's not going to run away, I mean, that's that's perfect. Then you can use that strap a little bit to, to help, you know, get yourself into the saddle a little bit, stabilize your position without grabbing the horse in the mouth. I mean, as soon as as soon as soon you get tense and you clamp up and, you, and then all of a sudden you're really slowing the horse down and really stopping the horse from being able to move, that, that's no good. So you have to be able to, you know, the horse is, has to be able to have his mouth a little bit as you try and figure out your, uh, your sitting trot. And, you know, I, I tell people with this too, there's no, there's no magic answer to it. It's just, you know, professionals like Reese and myself ride, you know, six horses a day have been doing it for years. That's how we got good at it. There's yeah. not something that somebody just said like, oh, do this. And then all of a sudden I, I learned how to sit trot. I mean, right. it just takes years and years and years and years and then years more. So, yep. you know, do the best you can. You got your own horse or you borrow a horse or, you know, just ride as much as you can. And you'll get exactly. better. That's, you will get better. That's all there is to it. Yeah,
2: Yeah. it is time in the saddle. So uh, good luck with sitting those rough trots. Um, and if you have any, um, any stories to pass along to our listeners, we would love that. Um, as always, we love email and Facebook questions. Um, we try to get to them uh, when we can. So thanks so much, again, for, for being there and participating. So um, everybody, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. You can like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com.
1: You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on a show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com.
2: Everybody keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we'll talk to you next week.